Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name's Sarah Morgan. I'm a comedy writer and I love horror films and I love scary things. So I decided I would sit down with some of my favourite comedians and people who make me laugh and talk to them about fear, basically. Before I sit down with my guests, I ask them to come up with three things for us to talk about. Number one is their favourite moment from a horror film. Number two, something that scared them in their childhood. And number three, a wildcard fear. That's any fear or phobia that they live with now. And we chat about it and then we go off format and end up rambling on about fear and horror for ages. It's great. My first guest uh, is Alice Lowe and I think that Alice basically just lives in that particularly gorgeous sliver of Venn diagram between horror and comedy. She's an actress, a writer and a director from some of the best horror and comedy and comedy horror that Britain's ever made. You are going to pick that up. Well, I haven't. Chris? This is a site of natural beauty and geographical interest. I think you need to sort that out. I didn't do that. Uh, you need to pick it up. I, I, can't, well, I can't. Why Why can't you? Well, I haven't got the proper things to do. Why didn't you bring the proper things with you if you're out with your dog? Well, I did bring the proper things, but I'm not having a very good day. Chris. <laughs> look, 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 I'm sorry, but if you don't pick up this excrement immediately, then I'm going to have to inform the National Trust. Actually, do you know what? I don't think you are sorry, mate. I don't think you're sorry either. I first saw Alice in Edinburgh at the festival in 2001, uh, where she was in Garth Marenghi's Netherhead, which went on to become Channel 4's Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. And I knew that Alice was uh, something special when I saw her doing her impression of a camel. It has stayed with me ever since. <laughs> since then, she's uh, written and starred in Sightseers, Ben Wheatley's Sightseers, the amazing serial killer movie. She's been in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, she was in The World's End. She's had her own uh, radio for sketch show called Alice's Wonderland and she's going to be in a film called Black Mountain Poets which comes out on April the 1st so uh, look out for that we take this chat last year when Alice was about six months pregnant which is why uh, there's quite a lot of talk about like freaky pregnancy dreams and that kind of stuff just after this chat she went on to write and direct and star in a film called Prevenge uh, which she describes as a post-feminist horror comedy Uh, it's about a pregnant woman who goes on a killing rampage and I know Alice used her own seven-month pregnant body as a kind of horror special effect prop in it which I just think is the coolest thing ever and I cannot wait for this film to come out hang around to after the chat and you can find out who uh, my next guest will be I've talked to loads of really fantastic comedians uh, for this series and I'm really excited that you'll get to hear them but for now please enjoy uh, my chat with Alice Lowe Garth Marenghi as as a character he used to say when people were interviewing us about Mm. the show that we did in Edinburgh people would say well if it's a horror show why are people laughing and he very pompously in character would, would say well horror is very 
related to laughter. <laughs> you know, people laugh when they're afraid. Which was a joke, obviously, but I actually think there's something in that. Yeah. That, uh, you know, like in a dream, you can have like scary dreams where a clown is coming to kill you mm. and you'd rather it didn't but you're sort of laughing at the same time as shitting yourself and I yeah I think the two are quite related they're both sort of visceral responses that you can't control and yeah I just I, I suppose I've always been into horror like probably longer than I've been into comedy interesting really or I've been more aware of it like when I was a little kid loved like creepy fairy tales and would always be staying up illegally to watch horror films without my mum and dad knowing <laughs> So I was always watching stuff like that, whereas comedy, I did love it, but it took me a while to kind of realise that I was going to be married to it in adulthood kind of thing. The point of the show is that I I sort of ask all my guests to bring in three things that scare them, and Mm. so we can talk about them and we can unpick your brain from there. (laughs) The first thing I have to talk about is a, a, a horror film, and obviously you're such a horror buff I know this must be a really well, hard choice for you I'm an apprentice horror buff well, not like you know hardcore but I like horror yeah <laughs> and so you did you pick your scariest moment or just your favourite Um, it's sort of my favourite and my scariest moment I, I love David Lynch anyway mm-hmm. so I think you've got an embarrassment of riches like what do you actually pick but there's just one particular moment I think sums up what he does mm-hmm. and how he freaks you out which is so much to do with sound and atmosphere and just subverting your mm-hmm. expectations massively Hello, Sarah here. Just popping in because we were having such a lovely time chatting about Alice's film choice that um, I didn't actually say the name of the film we're talking about. We are, of course, talking about the party scene from David Lynch's Lost Highway. That's David Lynch's Lost Highway. It's just a really simple trick of, like, someone being at a party and there's loads of noise and hubbub and just all of that dropping out, which is that horrible dreamlike thing where you sort of go, yeah, I was at a party and everything was fine and then suddenly it just was completely (laughs) not fine. We've met before, haven't we? I don't think so. Where was it you think we met? At your house, don't you remember? No, no, I don't. Are you sure? Of course. As a matter of fact... I'm there right now. And he just taps into that dreamlike experience. I don't quite know how he does it, and I think a lot of people try to emulate it. But, you know, this particular moment... And again, I think it's slightly funny. The guy is sort of... He's got makeup on. And he's a peculiar-looking man, and he's got a funny, sort of slightly camp voice, and it shouldn't be terrifying, but it absolutely is terrifying. Well, there's David does those amazing things that are absolutely shit your pants terrifying mm. but there's no blood there's no yeah. monster there's no I mean my thinking of the Bob moment yeah. in Twin Peaks Fire Walk totally. with me yeah. which just fucked me up yeah. as a kid like that's just this it's just camera going inside and it's coming in his mouth it's, it's cartoonish but it's near to you like, <gasps> like someone from far away coming near to you which is a very dreamlike sort of thing mm. and just that simple action that you kind of start you know the slower it is the more you go no I actually don't want that person coming near me no 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 like and it's confrontation really I think that's what he does is he he's confronting your mind 
with the things that you don't want to see yeah. or you don't want to happen, which is that nightmare thing where yeah. you go, oh, I'm scared this thing's going to happen and then it does because your brain just is doing that to be mean to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so simple, actually. And yeah. yeah, a lot of people would be tempted to put some big horror music in. Yeah, it like a knife or you. some blood or some more music thing or something. There's yeah. no, there's no, I mean, that's the thing, right, David? Like, I'm trying, to, I'm really struggling to think of actual horror tropes in his films, but mm. they, he is an amazing horror director. Mm. Like, my scariest horror, I think, is when it's about madness. Because, I mean, one of my favourite things is Whistle on I'll Come to You. This is a tale of the supernatural. It's the work of a man who wrote ghost stories as a sideline. The author, M.R. James, was an archaeologist, medieval historian, and a great expert on the early history of the Bible. He's best known for his ghost stories, all of which have a peculiar atmosphere of cranky scholarship. The darkest of them is called Whistle and I'll Come to You. It's a story of solitude and terror, and it has a moral too. It hints at the dangers of intellectual pride and shows how a man's reason can be overthrown when he fails to acknowledge those forces inside himself which he simply cannot understand. What's really scary about that is you've got this really bumbling sort of man that you feel like maybe you had a teacher who was like that or a really annoying uncle or, you know, or, or you you know that man who was just this completely rational Richard Dawkins type <laughs> who is bumbling along, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> And then by the end of it, he's been driven insane by a ghost. And there's something... And he's sort of so infantilised by this fear that he's sucking his thumb and... Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Which I love God, that bit. I've it it's, it's amazing. But it's the, it's the fear of madness. It's like... It, it's not actually fear of being killed or maimed or injured or mm. something it's actually the fear of your own madness and not yeah. being able to escape from it which is like confrontation oh god totally that's a really interesting point though because like would you say that you're more frightened of real things or supernatural things in film because um, some people can stand ghosts and not murderers yeah. or whatever I think that if something supernatural it will really get to me it will oh, sort really? of stick with me you know in those dark moments where you think someone's coming out of the, your, your wardrobe and it'll look you in the face do you and believe in ghosts that's the worst thing um sort of half and half really I've had some sort of weird experiences but they could be put down to hangovers you know I'm not, I'm not one way or the other but I've had a couple of weird things which could probably be an entire podcast in themselves but I think definitely like no I'm fascinated because I don't but I I was so obsessed by that stuff as a kid mm. that um, I, it sort of I think my brain went no you can't possibly do that <laughs> if you did if you did think poltergeist would come out the telly then you're yeah then it's going to screw with your mind yeah. quite a lot I mean there is like the gory stuff or torture stuff yeah that freaks me out like, the ring really really freaked me yeah. out when I saw that and I saw it about four in the morning it was on film four and I just was like right I'm going to watch it but <laughs> I really arrogantly thought well I watch horror all the time it's yeah. not going to scare me it might scare yeah. other people but it did really freak me out to the point that I couldn't go to bed I had to switch on every light in my house and I had to like phone a friend to say who I thought would be awake to say you've seen that film you don't die afterwards do you it's all right isn't it and they were like yeah yeah don't worry I felt the same it's like it's like would you say Candyman five times in the mirror no 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 I'm too OCD and superstitious for that sort of thing I'm like you know why why put yourself out there you know (laughs) for a monster to get you but also I probably wouldn't do a bungee jump for the same reason I'm a bit like why take the risk Mm. when you could just actually live your life and have a nice 
life yeah I don't know I, you know I just no I probably wouldn't yeah. because also it's like opening a door to madness isn't it it doesn't really matter whether it's real or not it matters psychologically really, whether you think it's real that's or. a really interesting point as you say it's the fear of unravelling the madness mm. that is the terror particularly in Whistle and I come to you and I'm trying there's, I mean there's a, you know Jacob's Ladder and those kind of yeah. films where it's just yeah does it matter if it's in someone's head or not or yeah you're, like, you're opening a doorway and I actually yeah. remember a dinner lady saying that to me once that we had this amazing <laughs> dinner lady <laughs> called Mrs. Bennett who was really cool she's not staying with you or anything but you remember her exactly yeah, I remember her exact <laughs> she had a kind of curly mullet as well which I really remember but um, I remember like the uh, middle school like mm. the kids were really into doing like seances mm. and we would do it in the library which was where you were allowed to sit if it was raining and we started doing this seance and there was like this big thing that a bottle filled up with steam and everyone was like oh my god it's poltergeist yeah. and I remember Mrs. Bennett coming in and going what are you kids doing stop this immediately and I and the thing that freaked me out the most was she said you shouldn't be messing around with these things and I was like Mrs Bennett who is like the queen of logic and dinners <laughs> is saying that it's dangerous to do a seance and that freaked me out more than her just going this is just silly what you're yeah. doing like the fact that she slightly believed like an authority figure who does actually believe it's dangerous and I've had nightmares about that like um, well it's uh, to cut a long story short I had a dream that there were ghosts in that in our house when I was a kid and they were throwing pins at us that was just their thing that they were just throwing pins and I remember saying to my mum and dad is it real are there ghosts throwing pins at us Mm. and them going looking at each other and then going yes it's real ghosts are real and that was more scary were they fucking with you no, this is a dream. Like, oh, this is a dream. Oh, dream. Sorry, in the no. dream, your parents were... Yeah, in my dream, <laughs> my parents were saying, we are sensible people and we're going to tell you authoritatively oh, that ghosts are real. And that felt more scary. You know, like a safety figure or an yeah. authority figure telling you that ghosts are real. You just go, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, I don't want to know that from you. I want you to say that it's all nonsense. Oh, my God, and, that's amazing. You know, and monsters aren't real and stuff. But if mm. they say to you they are real, then you go, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> that's bad news. <laughs> Whatever. Amazing. Uh, let's move on to your next clip. I, I asked you to tell me about something from your childhood that freaked you out which uh, we've been talking about quite a lot anyway but um, I loved your note on this um, I, you're going to need to describe this cartoon because it's, it's quite visual but your note on this was I was freaked out by the idea of someone stealing my eyeballs <laughs> as a kid I saw on telly when I used to have my light, late night illegal telly watching sessions mm. that I oh, used telly to the bedroom. yeah exactly I had a telly on the bedroom and I used to have my foot on the on and off button <laughs> so that if my mum and dad came and found me I could like pretend to go to sleep that I was asleep um, so I used to watch Formations I don't know if you ever saw that on yeah, Channel yeah. 4 really late at night well it was probably about yeah. 11 o'clock but it felt like yeah, but really it felt late, late, late. it like, felt like wow like yeah. you know imagine them having a whole like hour devoted to animation and it was always like weird Polish cartoons yeah. that were like two minutes long about communism you didn't know what they were yeah, this but, was before you had too much telly to choose from yeah. you had like three things to watch that time of night you had yeah. Night Bites 
mm. maybe a Jerry Springer, some, yeah. something exotic and American. Yeah. And, um, and then you had like whatever was on Channel 4, which if you were lucky would be something like that that was sort of tolerable. Yeah. And then would occasionally just blow your mind. Exactly. It was like the equivalent of YouTube now. Like yes. that was all you had. And so I would watch it religiously. And I still remember some of these cartoons like frame by frame because mm. they were so vivid to me. Mm. And I was sort of seeing stuff that I'd never seen before, mm. as you say, like from Eastern Europe or whatever. And there was um, one which was called The Sandman, which afterwards I found out did win an Academy Award or something. Right. Or, it's, you know, lo- yeah. won a lot of awards. Um, so but it existed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You Google. Isn't it great that you can Google these things I know, now? and it was quite easy to find it. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, I remembered it so well. And it's about this child that goes to bed and it's scared. You know, the little boy's... His mum's comforted him and go, gone, it's all right, you can go to bed, everything's fine. You see authority figures telling you everything's yeah. fine and then lying to you. Um, and so he goes to bed and then this creature comes in through his window, which is a sort of bird man, which is the sand man, but he's kind of like a bird, he's all spidery and his movements are all jerky and weird. And um, he's trying to wake the little boy up. And that's what freaks me out. Like, you know when you think there's a ghost in your room or there's whatever, when you're a kid or whatever, the worst thing to think is that they want you to see them. Again, it's the confrontation, like, madness thing. Like, mm. the worst thing that could happen is that you would have to ex- accept that they are real. Yeah. And, like, and so he's trying to wake him up, and when he does wake him up, he, like, basically steals his eyeballs. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's the punchline. <laughs> yes. What a great cartoon. And then flies back to his planet where he feeds his baby, sun, sun baby chicks, the eyeballs. Wow. And you just go... I knew it. I knew there was a reason why I was scared of things coming into my room at night. It's because there's this Sandman creature who's going to come and take my eyeballs. It all makes sense. Specifically, my eyeballs in the night. And it's just something about the animation style as well. This creature is definitely quite freaky. And I used to then go to school the next day and enact these things that I'd seen and I'm sure people were like did this really happen yeah. or what so you know, I'd be like I saw this really weird thing <laughs> and enacting it to them and, amazing uh, and did you go to like extreme measures to stop people stealing your eyeballs <laughs> did you like wear an eye yeah, like a metal you know like a chest chastity belt so more like the equivalent of that of goggles on my eyes no I think I did have a while of like I don't know like you know, if I thought something was happening in my room that I just wouldn't open my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, yeah, and I also had a bit of a thing about blindness as well because the thing that's horrible afterwards is the little boy isn't dead. He's just sort of... <gasps> he's just feeling his way around without any eyes. God. And you think, oh, his mum's going to see him and go, oh, I'm really sorry that I lied to you about there not being any monsters in the world. And now you've got no eyeballs. Well, I don't um, know if you had the same eyeball experience that, that, that sort of, I think resonates with many people of our age group which is when uh, PJ and Duncan when PJ went oh. blind on bike because <laughs> <laughs> oh he got paintballed in the yeah. face <laughs> which looked like two fried eggs on his yeah. eyes not You're all right, man. You're all right. I'm here. But as a kid, it was like, yeah, because it's, it is the artist formerly known as PJ and Duncan who are now yeah. and Deck, yeah. who were like beloved children's yeah. entertainers and one of them gets shot in the face with a paintball gun yeah and it was like a petty revenge thing because he yeah. dumped some girl or something yeah. wasn't it and it was um, 
but it was the it was the, like the freeze frame cliffhanger at the end of this episode by Greg. But everyone, it was like he was Jesus. Everyone in their mid to late thirties remembers that yeah. so clearly. Like, he like, sort of fell to his knees, like yeah. screaming. It was and like, it's the wrong color for blood, but yet yeah. looks like he's it's like bright yellow, and but it should be red. Yeah. It just looks horrific. And paintball was quite exotic then as well. It was yeah. like quite a sexy. Not everyone. And it was, was almost like a warning video of like yeah. this is what would happen if you didn't wear your goggles. You'd be blinded yeah. in both eyes. <laughs> Your third choice, um, I asked you uh, if you had a wild card fear, which I know is a terrible thing to ask someone. What's the thing you're scared of that you think no one else or not many people are frightened of? And I, and I always like to mention, I you know, I have loads of them. So I just, you know, to put, put you at ease, you know, mine, I think my worst one is raw tomatoes. I am phobic that's weird and I think it's an eyeball thing to go back to your really? eyeball phobia I think like exploding I like, don't know but I feel honestly I would rather eat an eyeball than a <laughs> seriously if you give me like a cow eyeball or something I'd rather eat that or human weird. I wouldn't than, than a raw a skinned raw tomato I've, it's you know so I've heard of that once before I had mm. a friend whose dad was scared of tomatoes mm. uh, and it, for him it was the explosion it was like the yeah, unpredictability of mm. where the seeds would go yeah. <laughs> when you bit or cut into yeah. it which yeah I mean all of these things they go down to something primal because yeah. I mean my fear which actually subsequently due to the internet found out it's quite common is buttons like I don't, yeah. I don't actually really even like sorry to I wasn't laughing at buttons <laughs> I just I no, love I love no, it's quite so, funny yeah <laughs> But I like. I don't even like As the in, word. I don't even no, like saying the word. There's something a bit ugh oh, about it. Like that, moist. I'm I'm like, with you know yeah. the word moist. Mm. People don't like saying it. I don't like buttons. I just don't like saying the word. I couldn't even articulate that I didn't like buttons. So I remember, like, my aunt gave us, like, some clothes that had belonged to her kids and there was this shirt that my mum wanted me to wear because it was, like, some designer label or something. She really wanted me to wear it. And it had buttons on it. And I couldn't articulate to her why I didn't want to wear it. And, again, I think so I got a little it, bit reprimanded. Is it them sewn onto clothes? Or is it, like, the idea of putting your hand in a drawer full of them? Or? I don't like them on the loose. Yeah. Um, because, like, if I... You know, it's like seeing a spider. This is what I mean, like, primal fears. I think mm. it is because they've sort of got eyes or something. Yeah, and they're they like have got eyes. They've got eyes or nostrils or something. <sighs> Which the, so if I saw one in a corner, I'd feel like oh evil, it's looking yeah. at me. Like it's, oh, I get it's that. escaped, and I wouldn't want to pick it up. I also think it, they're dirty as well. Mm. So all um, fingers, yeah, yeah these are fingers. All, you, them. I think I'm very psychosexual. Now you've, now you've, <laughs> I've persuaded you. Yeah, I think that, like I say, there's a spectrum. I'm on it now. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I can. I'm quite brave, so I'll probably <laughs> deal. But like, I get well, it. I now. watched the faces. Things fucking no, but that's weird. I watched. I actually watched a thing about it, and they they said that it was to do with. It's similar to our fear of spiders. Like you see a little speck in the corner of your eye, mm. and you think, "What is that?" And it's a spider, and it's sort of our alert it's, system when you see something that is possibly dangerous to you that's out of place and that the button is somehow related to that are but you scared of spiders? yeah I don't yeah. like spiders either it's interesting but, um, but yeah buttons so but now I can wear clothes with buttons Good. but I'd rather not really? I, I'd rather, that deep you won't yeah, yeah. Wow. I'll probably avoid it and it's alright if I know they're clean and they're mine whereas if someone said to me oh look I found this button is it yours? I would be like I wouldn't show it now. Uh, 
I've you know done some work to be to the point where I wouldn't I be like oh. done some work on it. No. Well, I've just you know reached that point where I'm all right with it. But I would be like, yeah, that's all right, but I don't want to touch it. Like when we were clearing out our spare room, there was a button in a drawer. Yeah, and I was like, this is all right. I can pick up. There was like some coins, and this is like the worst thing, you know. And there's just like shit. There's like a paper clip and some coins. Oh, so yeah, like a it, that's my handbag. Yeah, it's just got stuff. I can't, forgive me, but I don't ever touch your handbag because oh no, I, don't. Like, it's a nightmare. Okay, <laughs> I'm like I'm the opposite of anal when it comes to my handbag. That's, that sounds weird, uh, but like I, it's just full of like I, you know. I've got a, a coil and yeah, there's tampons in there that are like five years old and oh, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's like four I've got a there's like four packets of raisins for my for my daughter. And yeah, like I think if you've got kids, and mulch it's quite and understandable that you would have no, there's have no that stuff. I, but I, 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 I get my handbags a bit like that. But it's just there's no buttons in there. Yeah, and I know that there's no there buttons. Well, be buttons in mine. But I literally, I was like, we were clearing out our spare room, and I opened this drawer, and I was like, I can do this, and I started sort of gathering this stuff together. Mm. And then I just went to my boyfriend, like, oh, no, I can't do yeah. it. I, that stuff. And he went, what, what are you talking about? And I went, you need to do that. And he was like, what, why are you freaking... Because I was a bit aggressive about it, because suddenly I, the fear came over me. Yeah. It's like, I can't actually touch this stuff. It's going to make me feel sick. And then he did it. So oh it's God. still there a little bit. That's good. Does he respect... Does your partner respect your... Um, I thought I think weirdness. he just thought I was really weird, but um, but he did it anyway. He did it anyway. He, did, he, he just kept on way better. He didn't appreciate the. Um, I think that's how you can spot an like, arsehole. I, I think how you spot an arsehole is someone that would pick up a spider and then chase you around the flat yeah. with it. No, that's, that's a awful. joke. I mean, I have actually said to my partner like, if you ever did that to me, I would leave you because <laughs> it would mean that I yeah. cannot trust you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like quite a deep seated. You thing. don't respect what to me is a very important thing, regardless yes. of whether it's important to you or not. And yeah. you don't respect that I you've broken my trust and I now mm. think that you could do something bad to me like that would make me feel that bad you know I don't that's a no no deal yeah. like that's not even funny yeah. so don't even chase me around with a spider right. or a butter let's talk about your radio show because that's the first you've been in everything and you are <laughs> a very well known face this is the first thing you've done that's your name your face your vehicle mm. I mean let's it seems we're talking about fear was that scary when, when that happened and how do you um, deal with it I don't know. I think I felt like I was ready by that yeah. stage. I mean, you know, I've had a lot of pilots and I've done a lot of stuff that has just not quite taken off. And I think often the things that... I mean, it's in its third series now, mm. which I've never had a third series of anything, you know, which is great. Um, but, you know, I think there's a... there's When stuff gets commissioned, it's, it's often the thing that you've kind of maybe felt came most naturally to you or it didn't feel like a struggle it felt That's like it was obvious you know that it should happen and it sort of did happen and and that was all great so I felt like the opposite of fear actually I felt kind of like mm. oh yeah I'm ready to do this I've got the knowledge I've got the experience uh, you That's know great. I feel like this is time now and I felt very confident about doing it actually I think then when I was writing my second or third series mm. that's when you go oh God, what am I doing? Am, am I allowed to do this? Am I, <laughs> you know, is this any good? I have no idea. But I do think you reach a certain stage where, um, you know, a lot of my 20s, I was plagued by thoughts of, am I actually funny? Am I any good? Right. And you begin to realise there's no point wasting time on that because... Let it's someone not, else judge Yeah, it. let someone they, else do it, a judge Yeah. If they give you money and or laugh, then you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably all right at doing what you do, yeah. you know, and... Um, and so I sort of got over that point now. I, I think that there might be 
there are there are points with other stuff that I de- definitely get the fear more than mm. with my radio show, which I have so much freedom. Mm. And you know, once you get that commission, they they, they give you notes, but not. Nothing very like, free, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're nothing normally like you and a producer, isn't it? And yeah, you're working with Lindsay Fenner, is that right? Yeah, yeah she's great. Yeah, she's brilliant, and you just feel really completely trusted, which is then how you find your voice. Mm. And I'm sure if I was, you know, in the Monty Python era mm. of TV, it would yeah. have felt like that as well. Yeah. You know, it's a shame that that's not the way that TV works or film. It yeah, would be, be great to have Python money and exposure, and and uh, with with that with the freedom that we yeah. you have on radio because radio is so amazing in certain ways you can go anywhere you play a sound effect you're in you know yeah. space and whatever. it's this sort of thing of like you're good go off and do the thing that you do yeah good That's luck great. have fun hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today so how and do you, you write go, sketches for that because you write you write alone don't you so yeah how do you, i how do. do you come up with like so where'd you get your ideas from <laughs> i'm so sorry but. no but i mean it's quite i mean because it was a surrealist sketch show it was about finding a formula really mm. because i didn't want it to be so weird that you didn't let people in you know so really i knew that the sketches needed to be short yeah i found this sort of tagline for the show which was that it's the poundland of magical realms <laughs> which really helped me in the sense that it's magical and it's surreal but it is poundland right. so it's a mixed reality thing really mm. like when you do a drama when you do like a drama workshop or you know acting mm. workshop you can do a, a sort of exercise called mixed realities and it's like you're Hitler and you're visiting the dentist right. you know or you are the dentist or okay. whatever and then the other person doesn't know but it's just the audience then laughing at the mm. idea of him going, would you like some gas or whatever? <laughs> you know, just to throw an idea. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, so really, that's kind of the sketches, really, is like, okay, what if we had a centaur that was a drug dealer? Nice. <laughs> um, and, you know, a, a mixture of different sketches. Like, So some of them are monologues, some of them are duologues, some of them are spoof TV or spoof radio mm. stuff. And... Um, I just put on some really weird music playlists of strange psychedelic 60s cool. or 70s yeah, what music. Sort of stuff? What sort of stuff gets you um, in that headspace? It's, it's a really dark, it's a very textured, very personal radio show, isn't it? The yeah. sketches are, no one else could do it. Well, that's, um, that was kind of my USP mm. that I sort of said... That, that was sort of how I argued that I wanted to write it by myself because mm. it's quite unusual to write mm. a sketch show by yourself and they sort of immediately said to me who do you want to write it with mm. and I was like well can I write it by myself is that yeah. allowed because you know I, my argument was like th- this is supposed to be a journey around my head that's mm. what the, the sort of remit of the, the show was for me that 
I wanted it to be like a, a personal journey through some sort of weird detritus mm-hmm. of someone's mind, you know, which to me seemed like would suit radio. And then, yeah, so I, I was listening to quite a lot of Delia Derbyshire for the last one, which I did some Delia Derbyshire sketches in the end yeah. where I had, she was called Psychedelia Derby yeah. Smith. And she was kind of like, she was sort of like Delia Smith mixed with Delia Derbyshire, but mm. she'd sort of be cooking up drugs and mm. sort of telling you what sort of drug experience you were going to have, but with a very polite voice. Um, I love Delia Derbyshire because when you look at a photo of the Radiophonic Workshop, and it's just all these nice men in the 60s wearing cardigans. <laughs> and then this woman at the end with like a fucking beehive and immaculate mm. eyeliner. And you're like, she got up an hour earlier than all those men. And yet they all just, like, <laughs> they seemingly spent 24 hours a day recording like the frequency yeah. of lamps and stuff yeah. and making Doctor Who noises and being amazing mm. and inventing techno and all the amazing yeah. the really funny books are doing. But she must have got up before them <laughs> to look like that. Like, that's amazing. Well, maybe she just reapplied, you know, like, yeah, maybe she like, ratted her hair, like, occasionally. As she was recording things, yeah. but I, love, I just that's what I love about there being one girl in a gang. Yeah, you think, oh, she's she's the best one. <laughs> she got up early. <laughs> she, you know, had right to spend all that extra extra effort. Yeah, and I, I, they wouldn't have noticed. Well, the first stage in the realization of a piece of music is to construct the individual sounds that we're going to use. To do this, we can, if we like, go to these sound generators here, electronic generators, and using all of these, we can build up any sound we can possibly imagine, almost. Golly, have I not told you this? This is interesting. I'd heard about the radiophonic workshop. And I said, oh, I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm obsessed with Delia Derbyshire yeah, anyway. I'm sort of trying to get a biopic off the ground. <gasps> about, oh my God, that would be it's amazing. It's surprisingly difficult because... Yeah. You either know about her or you don't. Yeah. And the people that don't, it's very hard to convince them that mm. anyone else would know about her. Yeah, why would it be interesting to hear a woman... Uh, it wasn't her that recorded the frequency of a table, was it? It was... Um, well, there's Daphne Aura Daphne as well. Daphne that's it, yeah. But, you know, people sort of say, oh, is there enough of a story? And you can't help but think, would you be asking me that about a man? Mm. And isn't the fact that she didn't get the recognition that she should have got because she was a woman, mm. isn't that a story? You know, isn't that just one of those many struggles you know stories of a struggle in the way that imitation game or the theory of everything is about a personal struggle the tears of a clown kind of yeah or the you know the struggle of genius basically to to kind of emerge we were discussing uh before we started taping how uh when i was pregnant i was we we, we were were talking about the difference between uh supernatural horror and mm. real horrors and stuff mm. like that. So I was talk- we were talking about the film. I-, I got really obsessed by watching supernatural films about pregnancies mm. because I loved watching like Rosemary's Baby yeah, and those kind of things because they sort of they, they sort of address your fears in mm. a completely if you don't believe in ghosts, <laughs> yeah. completely safe environment. And 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 uh, we've discussed in the, in the past about dream- the weird, freaky, fucking hormone induced dreams you have when you're pregnant. Oh, I had, <laughs> the day. I had an amazing one that my mum and dad had bought. Um, a, a, an RV like a what, like a camper van they'd bought a camper van <laughs> and they'd um, they were running an Indian restaurant in the back of it and um, me and my sister were sat at these sort of candle lit tables like eating curry <laughs> I, I have a lot of dreams about food like very detailed so you finished this because that that is the, the, the same so anxiety kept... dream I had about about <laughs> when I was pregnant I dreamed that it was kebabs, not curry, but very similar. Really? Where t- I gave birth and my husband 
took the baby home in one of those blue carrier bags you get from a oh, kebab yeah. shop with a little twist of onion in the bag. Oh and I could see the baby sort of sweating and like Swirling not being able to breathe around. in the carrier bag. Yeah. And I was like, no, like classic anxiety dream. We don't know what we're doing. We're people who still eat kebabs. Yeah. What idiots we are. And I probably had a kebab. <laughs> yeah. I felt guilty about it. How could I possibly eat a kebab? Yeah, a lot of very, that's guilty. That's why I can tell I haven't eaten enough the, the night before, you know, in like a sort of midnight way of going, I need something to eat. You know, if I don't do that, I will have a very detailed dream Amazing. about food. So, sorry, your parents had a camper van. And that was kind of it, really. But it was, it was a nightmare. in um, traffic. Right. It, it wasn't a nightmare, but it was it was so vivid yeah. and detailed that there was definitely some anxiety attached yeah. to it about whether we were going to get to some place that we were trying to get to <laughs> in this camper van. And, and the guests were getting annoyed. There was other diners mm. in this thing. It wasn't mm. just us. It was like people eating curry in the back of my mum and dad's camper van. But yeah, I, it's funny because before I was pregnant and, you know, for a lot of my 20s or 30s, I've had dreams about having babies that I have not looked after properly <laughs> and I've left them in a drawer or I've found out they've turned into a doll later on, something like that. <laughs> Um, that is, that is, like, that I wonder if people had those dreams before horror films or if yeah. it was just creepy dolls and now got into our dreams in the same way that people didn't have UFO visions before we knew what the classic grey UFO looked like yeah I mean maybe maybe dreams about creepy dolls is about babies sort of inanimate mm. you know because I think you're it's just it just shows you that sort of perception that you have before you have kids that um that you can't possibly imagine that this this child is going to have a personality in a way. You know logically yeah. that it's going to, but it's going to have its own will and its own personality. You're going to be, and, and but see, you can't my theory that. on that is my theory, and it's complete bollocks theory. But I like I like thinking. I think when the baby's inside you, you know it's going to have to go through this like quite. A weird traumatic, traumatic experience thing. to get yeah. happy, so it's best not to think too hard about it being a person because the, yeah. the survival instinct is such a weird theory to have. Mm. But I thought that when, when I was giving birth, I was like, it was all about me and how I was doing, and not yeah. and because I think that's the survival instinct. Because otherwise, you start thinking about <laughs> tiny heads going through <laughs> pelvises. Yeah. It's like, no, the poor thing. Yeah, <laughs> not gonna like that. Oh, I wouldn't like that at all. No. So I think I read this amazing book. Um, <laughs> have you read Miranda? Jill- uh, uh, have you seen any Miranda? Miranda no, I know, I know her stuff. Yeah, her um, book is yeah. brilliant. I only just read it, <clears> and um, there's stuff about a baby that she's looking after a baby, and she sort of says, "I don't know whether I feel for it um, love or whether it's just profound pity," <laughs> which I <laughs> oh, thought was amazing because I was like, you know, when we first saw the baby on the scan, and I thought that one of the feelings that I had when you see it moving around is I felt like oh my god you're so vulnerable and mm. who is going to look after you oh it's me it's me, yeah. it's me. Yeah. oh shit you know and, and that was one of, and so that really tapped into something it's more like you feel sorry for it in, in some way <laughs> some element of maternal love is feeling sorry for this oh, yeah. thing that you're going you poor bastard is anyone else going to look after it no yeah. it's just me and you just feel sorry for it because it's so helpless and so I think all of that is still to come which means you'll be fine by the way oh yeah I think as well if you're interested in horror and transformation and that kind of thing do you find I think the changing body my new film is about this actually the one that I'm working with film for is about a woman who 
has a baby, but it's kind of a werewolf kind of metaphor. <laughs> so it's sort of American werewolf meets sort of black swan meets... Okay, this doesn't sound like my kind of thing at all. I, never <laughs> see this. I need to see this film now. Yeah, well, I think, you know, hopefully they'll let me shoot it next year, but this is... Where was do a comeback? It's been too much Vampires and Zombies. I'm, yeah. Like, which is, I'd mean, really like to see again, but werewolves... It's not going to be specifically is, a werewolf. It's kind of more of a beast, a sort of new beast. I'm trying to invent a new mother beast, which... What's your favourite movie beast even of recent oh, history what's you, what beast I mean American Wolf is just amazing um, well we were talking about Under the Skin I did really I know yes. she's not really a beast but she's sort of love interesting her, monster yeah yeah. You know, the monsters I loved was um, Attack the Block oh really she yeah that Cornish. was awesome yeah like, it's just really interesting I like, just sort of scratch out I mean they must have sat there yeah. and just scratched out the screen so it's yes. like this black matte yeah blob. it is I mean, it. That, but that's similar to Under the Skin because I mean mm. lots of people have their own interpretation to that film and mm. I read the book subsequently to the ah, film which okay. I think is the right order yeah. to do it actually because the film is very different um but you know the fact that she is complete nothingness and yeah. also when she's absorbing the men it's yeah. into this black void yeah. and I thought that is the fear isn't it it's nothingness it's oblivion mm. the nothing from the yeah. never story yeah. <laughs> the big nothing yeah. that was another yeah, yeah. I loved that film um, but you know that that's the sort of that's what scares us, isn't it? It's death, isn't it? But personified is just nothing. It's just yeah, void. Not nothing existing. Yeah, and you know, there's kind of those themes in the Under the Skin book. Is sort of you know the character dying. Mm. You know, the alien dies, but she's sort of being reabsorbed into the universe yeah. again. But like this sort of idea that she's so pure that she is she is carbon, she is matter, but right. she's sort of antimatter as well, and just the creepy idea of that and I think that's the attack the block thing it's like mm. I mean actually I once had a nightmare that um, I was a time traveller and I had this magic watch and whenever I needed to time travel I would press a button and it would take me it was like quantum leap it yeah. would take me to a new place but I couldn't go back so right. I'd be spending ages like establishing a life and getting <laughs> a job and what, what was happening what was happening was this um, thing was chasing me and it would be able to hide in, in anything that was black so it just like there'd be a thin line of blackness like a shadow and it would just start Great expanding creature. it would just start, start expanding like like that and then I'd see it had eyes and if it touched me I would die mm. so I'd have to scramble to touch this watch and then I would leap like quantum leap but you know then you can't go back so you didn't want to do it yeah, like yeah. just for no reason you kind of were like oh, what God, do you I've got to do this again I don't know I was quite young when I had that dream because they say with dreams don't they, that it's not what is going on in the dream but how you feel like mm. as you say you're, like, there's nothing intrinsic scary about driving around in the camper with your parents but like the anxiety of I guess right. it was that it was my responsibility mm. to avoid this thing yeah. that I could just succumb to it and go alright I'll just die can't right. be bothered <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> but actually oh. I, I sort of had a choice like you can choose to do this but you'll always be on the run you know so how do you invent a beast because this is fascinating to me you're, you're writing a script about uh, uh, um a monster yeah I mean it's sort of something that I'm having to investigate it, and it, again it's this really difficult thing so I did a short film called Solitudo and there's a monster in it mm-hmm. it's kind of a demon and it's this kind of difficult line that you're treading of it, if you're trying to invent something new mm-hmm. it can often end up a bit funny yeah you know which sometimes you can sort of embrace and go that's alright so there's elements of the short film especially at the end where the the creature is sort of funny and I'm kind of inviting you to find him funny because mm. I think that's scary like if someone comes to kill you and they look really angry and they're just mm. there to kill you and take your handbag or something 
that's one thing because that's reality but if someone came to you and tried to kill you but they were smiling at you the whole time oh, yeah. that would be an extra well, yeah, dimension it's the, it's the clown thing it's yeah. the I mean the Mike Myers mask thing is mm. you know it's oh, insane, yeah, so creepy. Mask and, yeah it's just but it's, yeah, it's something I love how shit those masks are they are, they are just Halloween masks yeah. aren't they they're, yeah. they're something really creepy I'm not even going to try before I murder you <laughs> I it's, gonna, like, it's a William Shatner mask yeah, yeah. isn't it that's William been sort of sprayed and you sort of go that was genius to sort of go here's a load of scary masks mm. in some I sort of imagine them in some costume hire place going here's a load of scary masks which one's going to be most scary and mm. then someone just going this William Shatner one. this turned inside and out it will is. fuck your head up yeah. yeah and so I think I think you just have to work with a really mm. incredible imaginative designer and mm. prosthetics person who can kind of help you find that thing and you have to do some screen tests and stuff like that and then you have to not show it too much yeah, as well totally. that's the key but it's all stuff that I'm learning because there are real rules to this this mm. is what you find out doing horror that you kind of go oh, there are certain things that definitely don't work yeah <laughs> that when you show too much of the monster yeah. or and I'm not into CGI as well I'd rather do something oh. God, in camera totally okay. and I think that's how you find those happy accidents mm. as well that you find out like do you know what we spent loads of money on CGI but the scariest thing was a crappy William Shatner mask <laughs> yeah that was more scary yeah. it was just freaky and it was weird and it was random and strange and um so yeah I'd rather you know I kind of think CGI you use to patch up reality I don't yeah. think you use it for surreality particularly I, no I like, it's I don't they never look as good I, I wonder if it's just a like a generational thing but you know gremlins look like monsters mm. they look brilliant mm. and CGI gremlins will be shit and there yeah. is nothing you can do or Little Shop of Horrors that puppet is amazing yeah. even though it's puppet you know it's puppet Luck Dragon and Neverending Story all these things mm. that are just like if you CGI'd them I know they would to a 13 year old look better but the uncanny valley for me is just like, well I know that that's computer effects yeah, whereas I know that kid was in that room with that puppet and it's real it's I totally, I'm totally into that and yeah. I did actually once write an essay and those kids can get that. off my lawn frankly <laughs> <laughs> those damn kids <laughs> with their believing in CGI and green screen and Peter Jackson's films they're too long he used to be great at prosthetics well I love props. Lord of the Rings CGI oh. I do actually really like it but I think there's just there's a difference between for a start you've got Andy Serkis mm. who is providing the, the movement mm. oh, the the eight, I like the monkey film I thought the monkey film was great CGI yeah. film yeah. because that, as you say there's a performance what, Planet of the Apes yeah yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was great. annoy people. Yeah, <laughs> the monkey films. The monkey films. The monkey trilogy. The monkey films where nothing happens, but really, really entertainingly. Like, literally resets, nothing happens. There's no... Like, the beginning is very emotional. It's just really but good. with apes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Peter Jackson's films... Oh, you must love Brain Dead. And yeah, well, Heavenly Creatures is just oh, amazing. Yeah. And I think I found... You know the bit with all the claymation sort mm. of stuff? I think I found the inspiration for that. There's like a weird um, Mark Twain short st- story that was turned mm. into an animation. Again, yeah. obsessed with animation. But um, it's sort of like the devil comes to these two children and he keeps reforming himself in, out of clay and changing shape and shifting shape and he's sort of trying to tempt them well, to like evil. sort of golem kind of thing. Yeah, but he's sort of this masked... He's kind mm. of got a tragedy mask, then a sort of comedy mask, and then he shows them what could happen, like all the riches that he could give them, and it mm. sort of springs out of clay. And I'm sure it's some biblical kind of thing, but it's I think it's on YouTube as like mm. one of the scariest children's films ever made or something. Animation's not been had a had a resurgence for a while, has it? Mm. You had the morph. Yeah, it's been morph back. <laughs> 
Who used it? Who's Goblin King in um, Return to Oz? That was that was oh, sort of clay, and that was, that was amazing. cool. Yeah, we're all just yeah, yeah. And he keeps sort of becoming fucking brilliantly that terrifying. Really <laughs> scary. The Wheelers. <gasps> that film so visceral, like it's more so than nightmarish. Being... Well, it is a horror. I mean, it is a horror film. Yeah. That that Return to Oz yeah. really. so many incredible children's films that actually you look at them and go that is actually a horror film well it's sad they wouldn't make them now because it would have to be too focus grouped and too you know they would make they would make Pan's Labyrinth with the adults and they would make fucking Madagascar's Revenge or whatever it is or you know Ice Age 9 they round all for the, the kids off. and yeah. they the two can be you go on, you don't watch the films together anymore yeah it's a shame kids really can get off I'm really gonna kids get off my lawn today aren't I as good as they used to be yeah I have this sort of thing we of like, still let Pixar them. we'll always have Pixar <laughs> but I'm like of the school of like let your children be scared I don't know if I'll change my mind if I'm sort of waking up at three in the morning because my kids just wet itself or no whatever. idea what they're going to be scared of and why mm. that's the weird thing I'm, you know, my, from the wise old you know tower <laughs> of having a two and a half year old but she's like she loves Adventure Time mm. which has got loads of really scary stuff in it and I we watched Jurassic Park together and she was fine as long as when the dinosaur came, I sang the um, the dinosaurs theme tune dinosaurs <laughs> it's just dinopause. a lovely lovely it's a lovely kid show about dinosaurs and I just sang the dinosaurs music when the raptors came in which scared scared me I love the raptors and dress well yeah but like it'll be the thing that they get scared of will be like you know a fridge magnet that looks like a face yeah. or I mean that was the know. thing when you were saying to me what's your wild card for yeah. I was sort of thinking there's probably stuff that I've forgotten because you rationalise it yeah. as you get older but yeah I remember like there was a jack in the box that I really was scared yeah. of and I couldn't I remember I was so little that I couldn't even tell my dad what I was scared of I just remember crying and him going what what is in the room that you don't like and me going eh, <laughs> that thing like obviously the jack thing that slowly comes out and goes like with a horrid face but yeah exactly your your fears can be anything as a child I don't know how you can really protect no Veronica's worst fear is definitely Dyson Airblades like biggest terror she loves motorbikes she loves helicopters she loves it all those kind of like I know she'll have a motorbike which I think she loves motorbikes so much and diggers and all that kind of stuff but if you go into a toilet and there's Dyson Airblades so she won't go she'd rather wow. wet herself than I suppose they are quite scary aren't they it's like, yeah, and they're like little guillotines for your hands <laughs> yeah. but with air oh, I hadn't even thought of that no, oh, like you put God. your hands in maybe take them out and they're not your hands anymore it's like oh, monster hands all dust of airplanes. I think when I see dust of because I'm pervert. Is I think if I was a man, I would put my dick in but one. Really I don't know why every man I know has it. I judge any man. Dip it in water and then dip it in there. Yeah, dump your balls in and dice Do men mm. do, right? I, I don't believe that men don't do that. <laughs> why would you not? What's the point of having a penis otherwise? Yeah. Unless you were going to do that kind of <laughs> shenanigan. <laughs> That was Alice Lowe. I love her so much. She's amazing. Uh, next week, my guest is the fantastic stand-up John Luke Roberts. I'm John Luke Roberts, or you can call me by my rap name, N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S. Big! <laughs> I think I'm saying that right. I like big butts, but I can lie. And when I say big butts, I mean large caveats. John Luke's show, Stadad Up, that's... 
S-T-D-A-D up is at the Soho Theatre from the 4th of April and I seriously advise you book tickets to go and see that it's a really great show The Fear was produced by Gavin Murphy who has been finessing these long ramble chats into pithy gold or pithier gold anyway I urge you to check out his very funny podcast called Regular Features the music for The Fear is by the wonderful Tim Bazell my husband you can rate and review the show on iTunes and please come back next week to hear John Luke Roberts thanks for listening bye ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Welcome back to Two Judgy Girls. I'm Mary from the Bay. And I'm Courtney from LA. TJG is the podcast where we spill all the tea on your favorite reality TV shows, celebrity gossip, and everything in between. We're here to bring you our unfiltered opinions, hilarious commentary, and plenty of laughs along the way. We're two SDSU Delta Gamma sisters with a microphone and a whole lot of opinions. Each week, we dive headfirst into the wild world of reality television, from Bravo to all the trash TV you could want. We break down the drama, dissect the latest scandals, and share our thoughts on everything from the jaw-dropping moments to the embarrassing antics. But that's not all. We're not here to just gossip. We're here to connect with you, the jurors, and share our love of all things pop culture. Whether we're dishing on the latest celebrity breakups, discussing our favorite guilty pleasure movies, or sharing embarrassing stories from our own lives, we promise to keep it real, keep it fun, and keep you coming back for more. Come judge with us. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.